tonight, I want to talk about, so not only the end of Luke chapter 8, but I'm going to talk to you about a promise that Jesus fulfilled when he showed up. It had been prophesied by Zephaniah. Yeah. It was fulfilled in Jesus. And we have today, yeah, the ability to call on the name of the Lord. Yeah. So let's start. So um, keep your finger on Luke chapter 8, and let's turn to the Old Testament. Yeah, it's kind of in the middle of your book, your Bible. Yeah, so if you go to Matthew, it's only a couple books before Matthew. So Zephaniah chapter 3. How many books is that? One, two, it's four books bef before Matthew. Okay, if not, just go to the index <laughs> in your Bible and go find out what page it's on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's right after Revelation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Zephaniah chapter 3. So as you guys are turning to Zephaniah, let me just give you a little bit of background. So Zephaniah is one of the minor prophets. Okay, you have major prophets, minor prophets. Zephaniah, uh, or, or the role of a prophet for the most part, the prophets would go and they would correct people and say like, hey, you're sinning, let's turn back and seek our father. Or sometimes they would show up, yeah, Andrea? The prophet would show up and they would correct what you're doing, yeah? So they were kind of these messengers from God. So Zephaniah just gets through this prophetic time of telling the nation that if you don't turn from your wickedness, you're going to burn. Yeah? It's kind of those uh, early holiness messages where it was like turn or burn. Like turn to Jesus or burn in hell. Anybody like that kind of message? Yeah? Shanice, you're like, what message? You like that message? Yes, I love that message. No, you don't like that message. Okay? So Zephaniah shows up and he says like, we got to turn back to Jesus. We got to turn back to the Father. If not, punishment. Okay? So, uh, you guys want to read a little? Let's read a little. Just to give you guys flavor. Okay, chapter 3, verse 1. We there? Zephaniah. Chapter 3, verse 1. Okay? Genesis, chapter 3, verse 1. Right there? Joking, joking. Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 1. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. Okay? She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. So Zephaniah is interpreting, uh, using the nation of Israel, right? The Jewish community, the nation itself as uh, a female, okay? And he's saying that this nation listens to no voice, listens to no correction, does not trust in the Lord, nor does she draw near to her God. If you study the Old Testament, there is one theme that comes out. 
Not only that, it, that God is committed and in love and in active pursuit of humanity, but the one thing that comes out is that humanity that's been created to worship worships other things other than God. Like we've been created to worship God the creator. But anytime we don't worship him, anytime that our focus is not on him, we fill that void with everything else but him. Fame, kingship, money, women, men, pride, selfishness, you name it, and all those things take the place of God. And our God is a jealous God more than jealousy you can define. Doesn't really make sense. But he's jealous. Okay? He loves his creation. Yeah? That when, when, when he was in, the, in Genesis, when God created uh, the heavens and the earth and the earth, uh, he started to shape and form. He formed all the animals of the air and of the sea and all that would walk on the land. He looked and there was none like Adam. Adam shows up and Adam shows up intelligent, not as a monkey, not as some uh, uh, Stone Age like guy who cannot comprehend what is going on. He shows up intelligent. Yeah. God gives him a task. And what was the task? That he would have to name the animals. So the, na- the animals would come through. He would name them. And after all the animals come before Adam, not a single one was there that was suitable for Adam. So Eve was created. But Adam and Eve created. Yeah. And in much ways, we are similar to them, yeah, if not identical. Okay. That we are unlike anything else out there. That God is, an act, is in an active pursuit of us. That when he sent Jesus, he was hoping that none would perish and everybody would come to everlasting life. Yeah? That his desire is that not a single person of the seven and a, six and a half billion people that live on the earth now, not a single one would go to hell. He is an active pursuit for you so that when we put up and we worship anything else other than God himself, there's issues. Yeah, God has issues with that. Okay, so Israel at the time. And let this, let this reminisce in you. Is this who you are? Is this the type of believer when, when I read this, does any one of these four descriptions yeah, catch your attention because you practice these things or you don't practice them? Are you a person that listens to no voice? Are you a person that accepts no correction? Do you really trust in God? Yeah? Do you draw near unto God? Like when God calls you, do you respond? So in part, you guys are here tonight. Yeah? So in part, I'm kind of preaching to the choir. Like I know at least the fourth one of this list, you guys are fulfilling. Because you guys knew that this wasn't a pool hall. This wasn't a bowling alley. This is a church. You're going to come tonight and you're going to hear about Jesus. But you guys still chose to show up. So you guys, in a sense, are drawing near onto him onto the Lord, onto God's word. So as God's word gets preached, 
Are you, are you really listening to what God is telling you? Or are you just out of here out of habit? Yeah? If something comes up tonight that corrects you, are you going to receive it and change? Or are you just going to blow it off like another Monday night that we always have? Yeah. And then do you really trust in the Lord? Yeah. Okay. So having said that, this is the state yeah, that Israel is in right now. Pretty good? All clear? Yeah. They're not doing, do, they're not doing too good, right? Yeah. The nation is not doing too good right now. So after he corrects them, here's the promise. Okay, so it gets better. Yeah, it gets better. Okay, chapter 3, verse 9. For at that time, everybody say for at that time. I will change the speech of the peoples. You guys don't have to say that. <laughs> You're going to have to say that. Okay, I'm just reading. Okay, just, just seeing if you guys are following with me. Okay, For at the time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech. Okay, So when I was reading this this week, I was reading and I was like, okay, so what's the, the pure speech, right? So as you guys read uh, scriptures, you guys want to ask questions. Okay, So I'm reading this. I said, for at the time, I will change the speech of peoples. So this is Zephaniah talking on the behalf of God. And God is saying, at that time, okay, I will change the speech of peoples to a pure speech, okay? And here's the pure speech. So I asked, what is the pure speech? And here's the answer. That all of them, men, women, humanity, may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. Okay? So this was prior to Jesus. Before Jesus shows up, Zephaniah is talking to the people and says, there will be a time where the speech that you guys have now yeah, will be different. Now, you don't call on the Lord. You don't trust in him. When God's voice comes and he, he's trying to gain your attention and correct you, you don't receive it. You don't receive that voice. You don't receive the question. You don't, I mean, you don't receive the correction. You just kind of go along with whatever you're doing. Romans chapter 1, we talked about it the other week that God is making himself clearly known to all men. So God shows up and he's like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. I created you to worship me and me alone. Everything else you're living for is pointless. It's all going to burn up in the end. Yeah, it's all going to burn up in the end. So there will come a time, yeah, when I'm going to change the speech of my people where they're not going to call on man, they're not going to call a counselor, they're not going to call their neighbor, they're not going to fight their own battles, they're going to call upon the name that is above every name. Yeah? Let me just tell you guys, hey, if there's one name you have to know, it's Jesus. Yeah? Like you go to a job interview, sometimes you got to drop a name. You want to stay at a certain place, uh, to get a discount or you want to go camping someplace, sometimes you got to drop a name. You go to Hana, yeah, and you go camping or diving, yeah, and the people don't know who you are, you better know a name, okay? I'm telling you, there's going to be a day when we're going to have to stand before God the Father and there's going to be one name that you're going to have to say, yeah, and there's one person in, in, or one godly figure that you're going to have to know and that's Jesus. Yeah. 
Not your parents, not your pastor, not your boss, Jesus. Yeah? Jesus wasn't just a figure. He was fully God. He was fully human. And if we call on his name now, he answers. Okay? He answers. Some of you guys are going through some, some, some hardships, I know. Through different seasons, I know people pass away, people who, who, uh, who, who, whose parents are, are, are abusive, who, who go through uh, a lot of different domestics and, and trials. I tell you, there is no other name out there that you can call on that's going to answer you in your time, in your time of need, yeah? When you call on somebody, you know, your parents or your friends, and they're not there, regardless of if they're there or not, the name that, is, that, that we should get in the habit of calling upon is, is Jesus. There's power in that name. Yeah? And it's not a hocus-pocus type of power. Like just because I say Jesus, everything changed. No, no, it's, it's a faith in that name. It's a faith in that God, right? It's not, I, I have this mimicked, memorized prayer that says Jesus 50 times, and because I, I go through the prayer, everything's going to happen. No, it's faith in Jesus, that when I call on Jesus and I'm in need, he hears my prayer. Yeah, there will be a time when God will change the speech of man to a pure speech. And that pure speech is a speech where we call on the name of the, on Jesus and we serve him. We call on him and we serve him. Yeah. That time is now. The fulfillment of, of this prophecy is happened when jesus showed up when jesus showed up everything else changed yeah everything changed more than i understand more than we understand but jesus shows up and humanity and earth and creation never was the same again never was the same again so let's go back to luke chapter 8 with that promise in mind that when jesus showed up the speech changed jesus practiced it and people practiced it okay so luke chapter 8 is this good for anybody yeah. regardless it's coming okay all right so we already got through uh the first 21 verses so let's go to 22 okay so it's kind of kind of lengthy Okay, kind of lengthy. If you have, uh, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. If you have a different version than, than myself and it's distracting for you to see different words as I read different words, then just listen. Okay, just listen. But Luke chapter 8, 22, and I'm going to read all the way to the end. Okay? And I want you guys to be thinking and, and picking up on every time Jesus says something. Or anytime he responds to something, okay? Because we're talking about speech, yeah? That there's a language that got shifted. There's something that changed when Jesus showed up. That there was a time when they didn't call on him, Jesus shows up, yeah? And they start calling on him, yeah? Here we go, 22. One day he got into a boat. So this is Jesus. One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, 
um, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came uh, down on the lake. They were filling with water um, and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Okay? So they're in the middle of a lake. They're in this boat. The winds come up. They're taking in water. Yeah? These guys maybe didn't know how to swim or whatever, but they're like, we're going to die. Yeah, perishing. We're in the process of death here. Do something, our master. Okay? So Jesus wakes. He rebukes the wind and the raging waves. The raging waves and the strong wind cease, and then it's calm. He said to them, where is your faith? That's the first one. What did Jesus use to rebuke the waves and the wind? His voice. Yeah. He didn't stand up there and go, yeah, like we played that game, right? Like pterodactyl. He's like, you know, he's not like using his mind power. He gets it there and he opens his mouth and says, stop, I'm sleeping. Stop. Yeah. The wind and the waves respond to his voice. Okay? He turns to his disciples and says, where is your faith? Okay? Romans 10.9 says, if we confess with our mouth what we believe in our hearts, we will be saved. My friends, there's going to come a time where we have to confess what we believe. Yeah. For the most part, it's daily. But there's times in our day, there's times in our lives, when not only is it like us and God, but sometimes there's trials that come up. And you cannot be a silent person. You have to be able to speak out what it is that God puts on your heart. And I've said to people, sometimes to people, but at the very least, we have to be able to confess to God and say, God, I need your help. Jesus, I need you. Yeah. And that is, that is something that, 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 that's with inside of you, that God has revealed himself to you in your heart so that when you pray, you understand that God is hearing it. That God is hearing it. So Jesus is with his disciples, right? And he says, disciples, uh, who do the people say that I am? Okay? And some of his disciples respond. Some say you're prophets. Some say you're Elijah. Some say this. And then uh, he turns to Peter and he says, Peter, who do you say? Or I don't know if it was Peter or to them all. Might have been to them all. So he says, who do you guys say that I am? Peter turns to him. And says, you are the son of the living God. Jesus responds to Peter and says, it is only by God that you know that. Like that's been revealed to you. And so I want to tell you guys tonight, that if you guys have a concept of God, it wasn't because of me, yeah? It wasn't because of any church. Like God uses us as tools, but really all we do is deliver the message. And you guys, if you have an understanding of who God is, that's because God is revealing himself to you. Like you cannot downplay that. 
You cannot downplay the fact that you know God because God is invisible. To say that you know God and God hears you when you call is that God revealed himself to you, that the, the almighty majesty himself came down to you and said, here, I'm real and I hear your prayers. I'm real and you can call on me. Faith, where does faith come from? Yeah, faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. That's what it says. But as I hear God's word, something has to click where it's not just information anymore. That I don't look at this book just like as a textbook, like a science book or an English book, but I look at this and as I read it, there's life. Anybody read a scripture lately that was like, man, I really needed that. And it was different than a, a text message. It was different than any other type of information that we get. It was God showing up at your moment of need and saying, I am here. I hear your call. Continue to call on me. Good stuff? Yeah. But there's something that happens when we confess with our mouth the belief that we have in our heart. Okay, so let's continue. 26. Then they sailed to the disciples and Jesus. Then they sailed to the country of Gerasim, which is opposite of Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among tombs. You see brothers running around without clothes, okay? Something's wrong. Okay? Something is wrong. Okay? So you don't have to be a mad scientist, okay, or some crazy spiritual person to know that if guys are casually walking around in the nude, they got issues. Okay? So for a long time, he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house, but at the cemetery. Okay? Issues. Okay? 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me? With a loud voice, yeah? So I just want you guys to be sensitive to speech. So this demon-possessed guy comes down to Jesus, yeah? He falls down at the feet of Jesus, and with a loud voice he says, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had, so Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. The demons had seized this man. Uh, he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bond, the bonds and driven out uh, and be driven out by demons into the desert. Brother man had issues. Okay? Issues. The demons that were ruling his life came. They ran to Jesus, fell down at his feet, and said, What are you to have with us? Begging. The demons were begging Jesus for mercy. The demons 
were begging Jesus for mercy. You want to talk about a God who's merciful? Listen to what Jesus does after that. Verse 29. Wait, no, not 29. 30. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? Jesus is having a conversation with the demon. Pretty crazy. Okay? Talk about Jesus wanting to get dirty. Like he wasn't like, ah. He's like, let's talk. Okay? So what is your name? He says, Legion. For many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and heard the herd rushed down to the steep bank into the lake, and they, there they drowned. Jesus gave them permission. Get this. The demons led the guy to Jesus and they begged for mercy. Jesus asked them what name they are, sends them into the pigs rather than the abyss. They pleaded and they got their answer. If demons get their answer because they call on God, what do you think God is going to do if we call on him. Like seriously. Seriously, talk about a redeemed language. That if we call on God, I tell you, one of the biggest uh, ways that Satan has power over us is that when we, when we cannot speak. Once Satan gets in and he, and he builds questions upon us, sometimes we doubt God, right? So something happens in our life, we have a, a question about God's character, and it stops us maybe of praying, right? So something, say somebody dies. I prayed for someone to get healed. They didn't get healed. Now I have a question because God didn't answer my prayer. So now I, I doubt God. Satan comes along and says, what type of God is that? Doesn't heal your prayers or doesn't heal your friends and he doesn't hear your prayers. So now it's a question, right? And we react to that question. Let me give you great advice. If you're taking notes, write this down. Don't make decisions off of questions. Make decisions off of truth. So the devil comes inside and he builds questions. And because we question God, yeah, we respond. Okay? But what should we do? What should we do when we have questions about who God is? We go back to truth. We don't make decisions on truth. I mean, we don't make decisions on questions. We make decisions on truth. Like, okay, there's a question about God. Yeah, he didn't answer my prayer. But what do I know of God? I know that God showed up at this time in my life. I know that uh, I've prayed and God has answered. I know of people whose lives were uh, in ridiculously uh, crazy circumstances. We prayed and God delivered them. Like you go back to truth. Yeah? It's like gossip, 
right? So somebody comes to you and says, your friend says this. It's a question. You don't know it to be truth. So rather than respond to the person or go find your friend and be like, what? Yeah, scrap. Yeah, I heard you're saying this. What? Yeah? Rather than respond to the question, first, think about your friend. Has your friend been faithful? Probably. Has your friend been with you for a long time? Probably. Has your friend helped you through hard situations? Probably. So you go back to a truth, and you go to your friend and says, I know this to be true about you. This person said you said this. You bring clarity to it. Okay? So don't respond to questions. Let's respond to truth. Good? Yeah, that's good stuff. Shoot, even if you're not responding. It's good. Okay. Verse 34. So God, so Jesus just had this conversation, right? With the demons. And here, we'll show God or Jesus being even more gracious. So 34. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. When people went out to see what had happened, they came to Jesus, found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at the feet of Jesus with clothes on and never said amen. He was clothed and he, he was in his right mind. Check this out. He was clothed in his right mind and the people were afraid. The people weren't afraid when he was demon-possessed, yeah? Naked, living in tombs, breaking chains and running through the desert. He's in his right mind, with clothes on, sitting at Jesus' feet, and they're afraid. Issues, okay? 36. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country uh, asked Jesus to depart from them, for they were seized with fear. What does Jesus do? He leaves. Jesus just changed the one guy that was probably the worst in the whole country area. Rather than saying like, hey, if you can change him, change me too. They ask him to leave. What does Jesus do? He leaves. Yeah. No argument. He leaves. You guys can take this with you. God is not going to force himself on you. He's saying tonight that you can call on the name of the Lord. It's up to you that you can call if you want. You don't have to call. The choice is yours. You ask God to stay, he'll stay. You ask him to leave, what does scripture say he does? He leaves. Yeah? You want more of Jesus? You know? You want to spend more time with him? God is down. Okay, let's keep on going. 38. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might uh, be with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and do what? Declare. How is he supposed to declare? How do we declare things? With your mouth, with your voice. Don't stay with me, Jesus says. You go to your country and you speak out what has happened to you. Yeah? So the guy goes back. Uh, then he went away proclaiming through the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. 40. Let's go. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. Uh, and they were all waiting for him 
um, there came a man named uh, Jairus who was the ruler of a synagogue and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him. Here's another guy at the feet of Jesus and what is he doing? He's imploring, like he's begging Jesus, yeah? And why is he begging Jesus? To come to his house for he had uh, his only daughter who was about 12 years of age and she was dying. Pretty serious prayer? Pretty serious prayer, yeah? Jesus went, uh, skip, I'm going to skip a little bit. Uh, 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. The, uh, but Jesus, on hearing his, uh, this answer, wait, and Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Okay? Let's get down to 54. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, rise. Okay? And I just want to stop there. Jesus shows up. She's already dead. Yeah? He goes. He meets this 12-year-old girl who's dead, and he declares to her. Yeah? What does it say? He calls to her, the dead girl, and he says, Child, rise. She comes back to life. Jesus spoke out what he believed. Yeah? His confidence came from God the Father. He spent time with God so that when he functioned in the world, he didn't go along with the world. He was in the world, but not of the world. Yeah? The world had their own thinking. When people stop breathing, when their heart stops beating, they're dead. Jesus shows up and he's like, that's not how it works. My God, my Father, He's the one who determines when life starts and when life ends. He shows up in this room. The girl is dead. And he says, child, arise. Didn't say he healed the hands. Didn't say he put anointing. He didn't say he baptized the girl. He spoke to that girl. Yeah. And I want to speak to you guys tonight and say that there's a spirit inside of you guys that has been formed to cry out to God. That we live in a present stage, not a past tense stage. That Jesus is not somebody who is 2,000 years ago that we talk about. But Jesus is present and he's active. And we got to call on him. we got to call on him because there's serious things that are happening. There's issues that are involved in your lives in the, the form of people that don't know Jesus. And if you want them to know Jesus, you not only have to live the life around them, which is super important, okay? You guys got to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. But we got to pray on their behalf. You guys got to pray for friends. Why be selfish with the promises that God has given to us? God has given us eternal life. Yeah, God has given us his son. He's given us himself. And really, like, life is already at hand. That what's going to be the difference between now and heaven? Like, huge difference. But for the most part, we live with Jesus now. We walk with Jesus now. If I go to heaven and Jesus isn't there, I'll be pissed. You know? Like, really, we want to be with Jesus. 
Like now is the time and the grounds for us to walk with him and talk with him and for him to lead us. And we got to talk to him and cry out to him and say, God, I need you. Jesus, we need you involved in the affairs of man. Yeah, today starts uh, uh, 31 days of almost a million people in our nation praying for our nation. Yeah, they call it prayer 31. For 31 days, a grip of people around the nation are going to be praying for every state. Two states each day, and then in the mix of that, they're going to pray for the army, then the military, and they're going to be praying for the elections that are coming up. Our country is falling apart. In order for our country to stay together, really, we need the believers. We need Christians to pray. Yeah. We need Christians to pray. We need to answer the call that Paul had to Timothy. And Paul said, we got to pray. Pray for the government. Pray for the authorities. Pray for everybody in leadership types of positions. Why? Because God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. And for the next 31 days, There's going to be a prayer being lifted up on the behalf of our nation because our nation is highly influential. Are we in debt? Yes. But we're probably one of the most influential nations that there is still yet in the world. We got to pray. Yeah. I heard this funny quote um, that somebody posted. You know, they're taking prayer out of the schools for education, but they're bringing prayer back into the prisons for those that are in prison. You know? Like the Bible's not accepted in the schools, but the Bible is accepted in the prison, you know? Like the only book you can have is the Bible. Doesn't make sense, right? Give them the Bible before they go to prison because they might not end up in prison, yeah? We need Jesus. Jesus is the answer, okay? Jesus is the answer, okay? Let's wrap it up right here. This has to be one of my most favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. Okay? I just want you to hear it. Okay? So just hear this. This is from Solomon, a prayer that Solomon leads on behalf of God the people. It's not in Luke. Okay? I'll give you the context here. I just want you guys to listen. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord And in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon uh, in the night and said to him, this is the Lord speaking, okay? This is the Lord speaking. And he's going to speak to Solomon. And I want you guys to feel like God is speaking this to you, okay? I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place For myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among the people, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land if my people who are called by my name are you called by his name yeah would you say that you're a christian that you're like christ that you can say that i'm i'm a sinner but really jesus is my all in all 
if my people who are called my, by my name, yeah, would humble themselves. He's a great and mighty God. How do we approach him? We approach him with humility. We approach him like he's the one who's sitting on the throne and he's going to determine where we spend eternity. You want to talk about fear, yeah? That is my fearful moment. When I realize all that I do in this life and I have to stand before God and God's going to say like, well done, good and faithful servant, or I don't know who you are. That grips me more than anything else that this world can offer me as far as fear goes. And so when, when we come to God, we come to God with that type of reverence, but we still come to God because he offers us that opportunity. We come to God in reverence because he's the God who is like all holy, but at the same time, we don't just run in there like, hey, what's up, my homeboy, you know? It's like we come to God with some reverence and we say, God, I'm a sinner. I get some things wrong sometimes. Yeah. Can you forgive me? my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. So I come to the Lord and I, I don't just stop there, but I, but I seek in. I seek in. I don't just pray once. I continue to pray. I don't just read one scripture. I memorize that scripture and I think about that scripture throughout the day. I don't just go to one Monday night and think like this is all that I need. I go to church on Sunday and I talk with my believer friends and I tell them to pray for me. And I meet with other people and I tell them to pray for me. And I read scripture again and I ask God to correct me if there's anything that is not of him, that is of me, that is of the world. Like, I want to know. Yeah. Like, I don't just settle for one good night. I try to live seven nights out of the week hungry and open and vulnerable to God. I say, God, come and make me who you want me to be. Yeah. So if my people are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. This is not talking about heaven. It's talking about present. If you guys want to see Jesus, hey, if you guys want to see Jesus more in your families and more in your schools and more in your government, God has given us the opportunity that there was a time when people didn't call on the Lord. Yeah, that is not the season that we're in now. The season that we're in now is that Jesus has given us the vast opportunity and the great honor and the privilege to knock on the doors of heaven and say, Jesus, I need you here and now in my life, in my community, in my family. If you guys don't want to see people go to hell, do something about it. Because all the power in heaven and hell and on earth is found in the Lord and is available for your beckoning. But you got to speak it. This is not silent prayers where you're at home and you're like, which is prayers that I do all the time. This is going home. This is praying around your flagpole. 
This is praying with friends and speaking out your prayers. You guys want to see something happen. You guys got to say it. It it makes perfect sense. Pastor Kaifo, you're speaking too long. Stop. You say it, it might happen, you know? You guys need help. You got to ask. You think about it in reality. You're not going to get anything unless you ask for it. It's not any different when it comes to God. When it comes to God, we got to ask. We got to ask. Yeah. So let's pray, and I'm going to ask God to give you guys more of His Spirit that will encourage you guys to pray. Why? Because the Spirit prays all the time. How are you going to learn about prayer? We need God to teach us, yeah? He's going to give us a heart for people. Give us a heart for our nation. Give us a heart for the sin that breaks his heart. That's what I'm going to pray for. By his spirit, by his promise, and by faith in Christ, hopefully he answers. Let's pray. Jesus, you are our great and mighty interceder. Jesus, you are the one who left heaven and came here. You are the one who forgave our sins. You are the one who continues to pursue us. And we beckon you tonight. We implore you tonight. We call upon you tonight and just ask that your spirit would come and teach us how to pray. That your spirit would come and and, and, and teach us about prayer and teach us about this huge promise and fulfillment that came in the form of Jesus where we we can call upon you and you're going to answer our prayers Jesus, grant us your Holy Spirit. Give us a heart that will burden for our nation and will burden for the people of the nation and will burden for our families and our friends. Father, give us a heart that's going to burden for our principals and our bosses, Lord, our our council members, Father God, and, and those that we drive next to. Give us a burden for a people, Lord. We love you. We thank you for first loving us. Give us a heart that is, that hates sin, that loves righteousness. Teach us, Father, about this great promise to call on your name. call on your name father god in every situation jesus we need you father i need you be with us lord jesus name we pray amen